Welcome to episode 83 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different this week. We're only doing one episode. But because it's mad love, there was no way it could just be Cameron and myself. We had to bring along our good friend CJ. How's it going? Now, you requested this episode specifically. I did. So before I get to why, let's start with what's your general relationship with the DCAU? Like, did you watch in this stuff when it aired originally? Have you been catching up for the years? So uh, I actually watched it live um, when I was younger. It was mm-hmm. the thing that I would do after school, and I think, like, they would show repeats on Fox Kids on Saturday morning. So I would, like, do, do that. But actually... Um, Batman the Animated Series is one of the things that I realized every single roommate I've had since college uh, have bonded with me. With. Really? Like, like, yeah, we've all... <laughs> what? We're like, oh, you know, you really, I really liked watching Batman the Animated Series. And so at some point in time, we'll have like a day where it's literally like grown adult men sitting in front of a TV screen with like cereal. And me and my best friend have, we bought capes. So, like, he has a Superman cape, and I have a Batman cape, and you literally just sit in front of the TV watching Batman the Animated Series. I mean, if, That's you, amazing. if I had a cape, that would have been my morning <laughs> today was doing this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I realized, I was like, no, I've actually done it with every single one of my roommates at least once uh, since college. So oh, my God. It's, now, it's a series that lasts. when you sit down to watch... What episodes do you watch? I, I'm assuming you're you're probably not going for Terrible Trio. Maybe no, not, no, 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 no Moon of the Wolf. <laughs> no, maybe? honestly, like it's one of those things where you just put on a random one. You know, it's uh, I've always illegally downloaded the series, so it's, it's right. kind of like uh, right. I'll just bleep that part. Yeah. It's fine. we don't <laughs> have sponsors. It's alright. Yeah. It's true. Actually, no one pays us. Yeah, fucking fine. But um, Mad Love is one that I gravitate to. I have to watch it when I watch the animated series. I just mm-hmm. love this episode so much. It It's incredible. Like, no, Cameron, have you seen this before? No. You hadn't oh, seen this before. Oh, my God. What what was it like to watch it for the first time? Get, paint us a picture. <laughs> uh, well, Draw us a picture. Well, You're an I, artist. I, 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 okay. I'll, I'll start with the <laughs> Snapchat. Um, so I knew it was a Harley origin episode. Okay. I thought the whole episode was going to be that. Mm-hmm. So when they kind of went through her... Within like kind of four minutes. Yeah, it's pretty like, quick. Oh, that yeah. was because I was expecting the whole thing to be a flashback because we've had a couple episodes like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it was kind of nice to see her kind of independent of Joker and how they. And I also knew like the slap was in this, like the, the yeah. abusive parts. Oh, God. Um, yeah. It gets. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it was it was fun. It was, it was a great episode. Yeah, because I, I think it's interesting that. Heart of Ice is considered by most people to be the best episode. We've talked mm-hmm. about this. It's not my personal favorite. It's not yours either, right? No. No. I'm going to throw this out there. I think this is a better episode than Heart of Ice. I think Heart of Ice had... Well, it's hard to do emotion with Harley because she is such a slapstick character. Yeah. Uh, you do get... And I. that's kind of why I wish they did stay in the flashback a little bit more is I wanted like two or three more scenes of her transforming. Okay, so it's interesting you brought that up. I was going to ask you guys this question because I, I did a little bit of research this time. I actually did some work before going into this, and I, I already owned Mad Love the comic, so I, I read it. It's sitting here on the table. Mm-hmm. Now, that was that thump. This, yes. That's the comic. <laughs> Look at the, such good foley. Yeah. Oh, so good. Okay. And there's a little bit more in the comic. Mm-hmm. So one of the differences is they both start the same with – Batman going to stop the Joker from killing Gordon in the dentist's office. Mm-hmm. Great goddamn scene. 
And then in the show, it then jumps to the Joker's hideaway. In the comic, it jumps to Batman coming back to the Batcave and having a brief expositional scene with Alfred where he fills in a little bit more of Harley's backstory that she was like a... Like she was a gymnast, she got a yeah, scholarship. She was a cheerleader to, who yeah. eventually went to college and decided decided to take up psychology. I don't know if all of this is in there. I just know yeah. her origin story. Um, like a very demanding father. Look at you! Look at you! All prepared. Uh, See, this I, is what having like a podcast partner who actually prepares must be like. <laughs> You're spoiling me. CJ. My only my only thing is that it's I hardly this particular episode. Um, it, I realized as I um, rewatched it. It Here, go stood out to you, me. You can as catch a kid. up in, in two pages. Oh, it, it stood out to me as a kid, and I mm-hmm. think I connected with it uh, in a way that only now I realize. Okay. Um, and what I mean by that is, I was hugely into psychology. In, okay. Uh, growing up, like, and so that the fact that she was a psychologist and you know just basically got too close to her patient mm-hmm. and and the ramifications of that. I think, again, it just kind of connected with me and, like, her relationship with the Joker uh, echoes a lot of my history with <laughs> dating. So it's just like, a, uh, not the abusive parts, but just... You like clowns. You I, mostly I, dated I clowns. clowns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the things that, that really surprised me in this episode was I always thought, and, I mean, they might have changed it for, for this episode, but I always thought Harley had, or Harleen at this phase, had kind of pure intentions of being there mm-hmm. but in this episode they really played on the like she's only there for publicity like mm-hmm. she yeah. wants to help help quote unquote these psychopaths because those are big stories and that's what's going to get her recognized that was gonna be one of my questions for you guys because that's more fleshed out in the comic like it's stated explicitly that as you just read cameron just now <laughs> on air yes that she like slept with one of her professors to get good grades and that she just wanted to become like a world famous pop psychologist and had just not noble intentions. And I was curious from based off just the episode when you guys watched it, what you thought of her. Did you feel sympathetic for her? Did you feel that her transformation was fully earned? Did you believe that she was there for good reasons? Or did you know all the way through, oh, she's just doing this for her own gain? Uh, I mean, before the episode, I I always had sympathy for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have a little bit in this episode just because like, like, as the audience, you know, Joker is using and abusing her, but she kind of can't see through that haze. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, see, I, I love the scene of the, the switch where it's her therapizing. Oh, right. <laughs> her yes. sitting on the couch when, uh, you know, and kind of having yeah. a little therapy session. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's her no, therapy ther- session. Therapizing is right. It's the right yeah, word. Therapizing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then the next scene is the flip where she's on the couch and Joker is asking her the questions. So did you. And kind of like planting those little bugs. Well, I actually, like, I even took, like, a little note on that, what he says during that uh, style, because, again, that gives a lot of uh, depth to her character, uh, and it shows both what the Joker knows about her and what can see, like, almost instantly, and, again, for me, kind of, like, I identified with it. (laughs) Like, again, I'm telling way more about myself, but he says something along the lines of, um, give me one second, I'm so sorry. He says something along the lines of, you like grew up with a lot of restrictions mm-hmm. and it didn't allow yourself to have any kind of joy. So it makes sense that you would file for a man that makes you laugh. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, just kind of like pinpointing why she gravitated to, to him, uh, and then using that and, and telling her that you know, no, it's completely fine. It's okay. And I mean, he's not wrong that it it is okay, but it's just very funny that. 
therapy is used to manipulate. Now, mm-hmm. CJ, when you watch that, how did it make you feel? <laughs> Again, a, a little bit like, oh, wow, I'm learning a lot about myself in this, but yeah. Well, I, I think that's maybe the reason why I like this more than Heart of Ice. Cause, I mean, I, I get you're saying that Heart of Ice, Heart of Ice is most sympathetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's much more sympathetic in that. But what I like about this is that it, I think this fundamentally understands its characters a little bit more. I mean, obviously, they completely rewrote Mr. Freeze for that. So it's understandable that that isn't grounded in a deeper understanding of the characters. Like, oh, this is a completely new way of doing it, which is great. And I think that's part of the reason it's so groundbreaking was because, like, oh, let's approach him from an emotional perspective and not from just, oh, he's another villain of the week. But here, you can tell that Bruce Timm and Paul Dini really know all three of these characters. And I think we're getting them at their peak, like, interest. And, like, they are at their most versions of themselves here. Mm -hmm. Like, the Joker, we really get to what makes the Joker the Joker in this, too, right? When Harley says, oh, why don't you just shoot him? (laughs) It's not funny enough. It's not funny. (laughs) And I think this one, maybe more than any other episode in the series or any other iteration, really understands that this version of the Joker is grounded in comedy. Mm -hmm. He's most concerned with comedy. Like, Heath Ledger performance is amazing, but that's all about, like, anarchy. Chaos. And chaos and defying order. And the Joker... Here, he just, all he cares about the laugh, and the ultimate laugh is going to be killing Batman. Mm -hmm. And so we get why he does make these really irrational decisions, and sometimes he kind of lets Batman get away, because if it doesn't fit what he wants to get out of that, he'll just let it go. True, but at the exact same time, I think it's interesting in this episode, it shows how, like, that that motivation kind of clouds his judgment, because it shows his most successful plots, or at least in this particular episode, in, come from Harley. Um, almost all of the plans are Harley's plans originally. Even later on in the episode, he almost shoots Batman, which right. is directly yeah. what Harley said he should just do. Just shoot him. <laughs> yeah, I think he he's so interesting here. And I think shy of Mask the Phantasm, this is probably his best episode? I don't know. What do you guys think about Joker? That? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. He's just... Oh, he's just so juicy in this one. He's it's so funny. I feel like this is the the best representation of like a maniac. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. it's like he's just kind of another. Uh, oh, what's what's the word? He's just like another bad guy. Right. Uh, and he even makes a joke. He's like, "No, that's too Riddler." Too Riddler. I love that. So many good lines. That was like great for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also love the awareness of. I mean, like you guys have spoken about it before. How in Arkham, you know, they see each other, they cross paths, they're all aware of each other with the team-ups. But, like, the idea that the Joker would be like, no, even though I'm a a clown and, you know, comedy and riddles can be, like, very close. He's like, no, that one leans a little too much. too much. It's too Riddler, and I got to stick to my own brand, and I love that. Well, I think we joked about that on some episode where, like, it it was some bird statue and Catwoman wanted to steal it. Oh, and we're yeah. Like, but that's Penguin's territory. Penguins. She's not allowed to do that. <laughs> right, because, yeah, there was a BTOS episode, or it was New Batman Adventures, yeah, where it was, like, bird-related. Because then we were talking about, like, oh, has there ever been a point where they crossed over, and it was the Batman, where they're both trying to steal. Mm-hmm. It was, like, from one perspective, it was, like, Horus, and the other one, it was, I don't know, some cat thing, some Egyptian cat thing. And, like, fighting over it. Yeah. Oh, it's genius. I like it. But then it became some weird laser weapon at the end, and like, oh, that's why the Batman is not quite as good. <laughs> Throws things out there, doesn't quite land in the same way. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, I... Well, so in the comic, there's also another line when Harley calls the Joker, and he races over to the club. His He's thinking, like, 
oh my god, if Harley kills him, I'll never hear the end of it from Riddler and Two-Face and the Penguin. Like, they'll just give me nonstop shit for mm-hmm. having failed to do this the right way after all these years. Ego is another motivator of his. Oh, oh like, yeah. Like, huge. The fact that even Batman uses it a little later on. He's like, I knew your ego couldn't allow her to succeed, and that was my only out. And I think that that... Again, to kind of flesh out the Joker, you're like, oh yeah, the ego. That's one of the things that if you're going to be oh, yeah. a villain, your ego has to be. Well, that. even even the the line after that was he's like Harley's been closer to killing than you ever have. Yeah, so yeah. Imagine yeah. when you see Joker just kind of snap. Oh, but yeah. not well, for but pudding. Pudding. <laughs> pudding. I I think this is one of the best performances from Kevin Conroy uh. too. Like the the scene where he escapes from Harley. Should we actually talk about what happens in the episode? Or nah. <laughs> Uh, I can go on. Like, there's literally... I can there, there's anywhere. so much to talk about. Okay, well, I guess we'll talk about this now. But when he, when Harley does successfully capture him and he knows the only way he can escape is to manipulate her. And the way he does that is so genius. The laugh, by the way, is very, very important. It's because so, I have to like, yeah. chilling. That laugh is, yeah, the fact that he is, like, Batman is laughing at you, I have to admit, I would be like, oh, what's going on? She's like, I don't like it. Oh, <laughs> it, well, it's so freaky. And again, this, the, so the cool thing with this episode is it's almost an exact adaptation of the comic. And so, like, you read that in there, and it doesn't have the same impact as hearing Kevin Conroy laugh, because we never hear him laugh. We never hear him laugh as Batman. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We hear his very fake Bruce laugh all the time. But his Batman laugh is so unsettling. Yeah. And she's Harley's just like shrinking and freaking out and really terrified of what that means. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The fact that he laughs and she's like, oh, you you little fool. Yeah. So, you don't get it. So speaking of voice actors or act voice acting, we always bring up that, that Kevin Conroy has three Batman voices. Yeah. Uh, hearing Harley have yes. two voices yes. was huge. Yes. And that was a really cool thing to hear of like her professional voice which she uses to convince Batman that she's turning on Joker yeah and then immediately when she captures him she goes she slips back into Harley Harley Quinn mm-hmm. like, oh that you're was, awake yeah <laughs> yeah and that was I, I loved that I loved seeing that like other characters can use the same manipulation tactic that he can yeah well I mean again great performance out of Arlene Sorkin like yes we, we she's always great but I think here she's at her peak because like, exactly that she gets to go through that range and what's interesting, too, is that also then throws out the idea that she's always putting on a bit of an act, that the the Harley voice is not her natural voice, but that's the only one we've ever known. Mm-hmm. So the entire time we spend with her, she's always putting on the show. Even when she's with Ivy, when she's kind of a little bit more herself, she's still doing that. And so it's so interesting to see the she can slip back into that and that she's always playing a character on some conscious level. Well, um, I don't know how much you want to go into it but one all of, of the way into <laughs> it one of the uh, f- not fan theories but someone kind of wrote a little small snippet uh, to explain the different looks that Harley has mm-hmm. and it's kind of like she has multiple personalities or she's oh, interesting. some kind of multiple personality so um, that would also fit that you know that would be canon, you know, yeah. to explain that. But in terms of acting and Harley acting, I also loved the scene on the dock because it showed how good of an actress she was Yeah, in general. Like, not only in the TV screen, which is, like, easy to do, but when she's standing out there on the dock and she's looking, you know, kind of lost. It, it, she's convincing in the... I'm both terrified because I'm about to betray my lover. And also when Batman just shows up, she seems shocked. You know, all of this is part of her plan, but she just does it so convincingly. And the fact that she even thought of how 
to distract Batman, you know, with with, yeah. with his, which is by using the Joker as like being angry at her. Like it's it's just well thought out, and she con- she does it very convincingly. Now I have to ask this: Where do we think the Joker dummy came from? What was its original intended purpose? <laughs> oh, I bet Joker has a whole cabinet of wax sculptures of himself. So do you think? What do you think he plans to do with all of those? I bet though? it's for costume changes. Because I, I feel like he doesn't, like, all the mirrors he has, I feel like are broken. Yeah. Uh, so he just has dummies of himself that it. have his different, like, he puts his outfits on them to see what he would look like. And then yeah. if he doesn't like it, he'd set them on fire. Yeah. To Riddler, onto the next costume. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, my God, that makes perfect sense. Because I was, like, we, we, get this, we just forgive little things. But I'm like, where did that come from? But I could, I could see him doing that. I could see him having... This like an army of these things that just uses decoys mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, but like yours is way more fun. I think that's what it gets <laughs> mostly gets used for. You could see him like having invested money at some point to build these <laughs> elaborate like like animatronic things, and they just sit around and he <laughs> just dresses them up as he pleases. Yeah, that's exactly what he does. Absolutely love it. Do you think he's because he also had that Batman dummy? Do you think he's ever put the Batman costume on his own dummy and seen what he looks like? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. How could you not? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It, it's uh, my favorite, one of my favorite episodes of Teen Titans that I'm sure I've brought up a dozen times already is the quest from season three where Robin leaves to go learn martial arts from like the best martial artist in the world. And then the oh. other Titans all wear the Robin outfit. <laughs> yes. And they all have their own utility belts. <laughs> and it's, it's just such a like fun B story of like, well, we have, like, we can't not put on the utility belt like that yeah. that's like that's we have to i forgot about that mm-hmm. episode and then the best scene is i think it's cyborg on robin's motorcycle but they don't want to turn it on so beast boy's waving his cape in the background <laughs> to just like act like he's flying and it's so wonderful is this teen titan go no this is regular teen titans All right. Can- mm-hmm. cameron no, hates teen titans go. i, I don't saying... hate teen titans go it's just I like mean, really Here's the thing. I know a lot of people like who are fans of Teen Titan hate Teen Titan Go, and I'm I'm just way more into the comedy side, and I I haven't seen it. But there is an episode in Teen Titan Go where I think Batman's out of town or something, and Robin takes everyone to the Batcave, and they just go oh crazy my gosh, trying on the amazing. different the different Batman costumes, and Robin's just like, no, you can't touch that. And they're just like each one is like, oh, oh like they're wearing Batgirl or like something else, uh, Nightwing's costume. And again, he's just like going crazy because he's like, you're not allowed to touch this. It's like, you know, very unsupervised kids in parents' basement type thing. Oh my God, mm-hmm. that it's does really sound amazing. I've never watched Teen Titans Go. I think you've sent me some clips before though. Yeah. Usually sitting around Robin. But I have to admit, I'm actually quite excited for the new movie. Me, yeah, me too. <laughs> it looks like it's a really clever idea. Like Robin has never had a movie he wants one of his own, and no one will make it. Mm-hmm. And it's like it, it looks like it's going to be that same level of like Lego Batman, right? Like very meta humor. Yeah, very meta, very much self parody, mm-hmm. understanding its genre. And yeah. its whole I mean, world even the advertising they're doing great with it, with the everyone wearing the Wonder Woman outfit. Yes. Of like, is this not how we get a movie? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Like, that was one of the ones I was least excited for. The more that comes out about it, the more excited I am for yeah. it. And especially getting the. The voice acting of Nick oh, Cage. My God, yeah. Finally getting his 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 dues as yeah. Superman. Oh, and also Jimmy Kimmel as Batman. Oh my God, that's so which good. Which is like it's so weird, but it's also so perfect. Which just... which means Matt Damon has to be in it somewhere. <gasps> I didn't even think about that. He has to. Oh I my, love that. Okay. I, I hope it's Nightwing. 
<laughs> oh, wait, do we know in Teen Titans Go, do we know, is, isn't that Dick Grayson? Oh, that is. I guess so. But I mean, you, I, but I think they're so self-aware, though, they probably would have yeah. the Nightwing cameo pop Yeah, they're going to be like on the movie set. And like, well, what about this? Like, we like, we love having Robin in the story, but we, yeah. need, we need someone to get the teenage audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have this guy, Nightwing. Oh, my God. I'm trying to think who else it could be. We've heard Alfred in the trailer, right? I think so. I think we did, so that'd be amazing if they had Matt Damon. Well, it has to be someone that, because I feel like they have, if Jimmy Kimmel's in it, they have to bring up the feud with Matt Damon. Yeah. So it has to be someone that Batman hates. Uh, maybe maybe Batmite? Maybe. No. No, because that Bat- has to have a higher pitch voice. Who does Batman, who, who? okay, let's think, like Justice League, this is the area we know the most from the cartoon, <laughs> who's like the one character that Batman would have no time for ever? Booster Gold. Oh my God. I think you've hit it. If that is genius, <laughs> it's, uh, Booster Gold or Plastic Man, or oh yeah, oh my God, I really hope it's Booster Gold. Me too. That'd be so. But I, oh, I'm trying to think though, because I could also see at the same time them like having in the movie itself them making a Booster Gold movie. Be like, even Booster Gold is getting a movie, and I haven't gotten one. Yeah. So or it's just regular Matt Damon walking it's across just the Matt movie set, <laughs> and Batman just like, I have to mess with him. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, weren't uh, there weren't there like rumors years ago that Booster Gold was getting his own TV series? There was talk about <clears throat> a buddy cop style movie with Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. That's right. Yeah, and I want to say Greg Berlanti was attached to it at some point. I mean, because he's attached to everything now. Mm-hmm. So I mean, imagine if that were true, they would be pushing even harder for that to get made, considering that he I think recently broke the record for the number of shows in production at the same time. Greg Berlanti. Yeah, I think he beat out. Um, not Chuck Lorre, um, although he had a lot. It might have been, is it Bruckheimer? This is your category through God and through. God damn it, who? Oh, We're not here to correct you. Yeah, so. I was going to say, you guys are in the weeds for me right now. <laughs> this is going to bother me. But yeah, like, Gregor Berlanti now has the most shows on TV. Good for him. Also, okay, we, we weren't going to talk about news, but did you guys, there's one thing I absolutely have to talk about, because I'm super excited about this. We're in the Berlanti talk right now. Uh, Batwoman is going to be I, I the got crossover a immediately. Oh, I bet you did. <laughs> I am so. Ex- You've read the Batwoman comics? No, I haven't. <gasps> I, I have. I I'm, have all of them. I'm not going to lie. I I was going to say this earlier when we were doing introductions. I've actually never read a comic. Of- There's well, someone here that I've read more than. <laughs> well, no. wait, wait, hang on. Clarify yourself. What? Well, well, yeah, no, no. Honestly, so I grew up. Like, in you've a... never read a comic book? No, my. Um... You've out Cameron Cameron <laughs> yes. on his own podcast. I grew up where I was not allowed to read a lot of like like I just wasn't allowed to have like a lot of these things. Okay. TV, I was unsupervised for half an hour, so like what was whatever. Yeah. But like I couldn't have secular things. So oh my god, I, I didn't have comic books. I I was given one comic. I was actually given the preacher. Uh, graphic Ooh, novel. That's a and strange place it. to start. Uh, well, it's religious, so I was allowed to have that. Did they but not realize how? No, they didn't. Okay, I was like, it's not <laughs> religious and interesting. But, religious uh, adjacent. It, it said preacher on it. On so the there we go. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, there's, a, there's a chapel in the background. Exactly, I yeah. think it might be on fire. <laughs> I, think, I think it is, actually. Yeah. No one got into the weeds of it. I was just handed it, and it had the title that I was allowed to. But anyway, that said, I never read an actual comic and it's actually uh, I just watched all of the things that were on TV so like yeah. Saturday morning cartoons and, and stuff like that and to see how much is like of 
media now is like based on comic book lore. It's yeah. like, oh man, I really missed out. Oh my mm-hmm. god, I have so much for you to read. Oh, I mean, like, I'm clearly going to borrow stuff now. Yeah, no, I have all the Batwoman stuff. I mean, uh, Batman Year One, Long Halloween, oh. Dark Victory, Hush, mm-hmm. Arkham Asylum, Superman Red Sun. Um, oh my god, the list. I, I will I will take all of DC it. New Frontier. <laughs> I was going to say, there's one that you're missing out on. <laughs> Chris, what was your, do you remember your first comic? Um, I don't remember my first comic. I, so there was something called like the Batman Superman magazine or something like that way back in the day. The DC Watchtower guys, they've talked about it before. I remember having that because I remember it was a picture of BTOS era Batman with that uh, that style of Superman next to him. And there was like little mini comics. I kind of remember those. I think I must have had some Batman like random one issue comics when I was younger. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think. Long Halloween must have been one of the pretty early on one oh, of the wow. first ones that I bought. Um, I, read, I read a lot of X-Men comics actually back okay. in the day. Because I, I started reading. Did you read trades or did you read uh, books? Always books. Okay. Yeah, I never went and bought issue by issue. I'm lazy. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm lazy. It's a lot of work, and I, like I, I, I would rather read it all collected and get like one arc done, and then wait a while, and then come back to it, mm-hmm. than like go week by week, which is probably well, blasphemy for an actual comic. Like... Even as even as a child, I had no patience <laughs> no, for that, anything. That's, the, that's what I'm suffering through right now, waiting for Snot Girl Volume Two to come out. Um, what now? Snot Girl. What? It's Brian Lee O'Malley's new book. Oh, okay. Uh, For those really who don't good. know, Brian Lee O'Malley did, of course. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, there you go. Cameron's really favorite comic. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the comic. <laughs> movie's great. Uh, yeah, comics are even better. Movie. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> read the comic either, actually. Okay. It's it's the cool thing of... Some think it's cool. Some think it's really frustrating where uh, Brian, Brian Lee O'Malley didn't finish the series while he was writing the script, or while Edgar Wright was writing the script. And so the ending of the movie is completely different from the ending of the books. Which Wait. I like. Yeah, it it, yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it's a new story. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. Snot Girl is okay. Is an, uh, is a very uh, millennial story. It's about a girl. Uh, she's an Instagram influencer, or sorry, a social media influencer, um, who refuses to show any imperfections, but she's like allergic to everything. Oh my! God. And so one girl like catches her having like an allergic reaction to something, and she kills her. What? It's her trying to like cover it up since then. Oh wow! Yeah, that's I'm not where I thought I'm, that was gonna I'm go. I'm signing on. You, you got me. Yeah, because <laughs> you're right. That took a twist. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So are you, are you reading that like issue by issue? No, no, because I can't find it anywhere. Really? That's yeah. surprising. Uh, yeah. So the the volume one came out last July, I want to say, and volume two was coming out next weekend. Okay. Um. Oh, okay. So you're reading them in like the collected trades. Yeah. Wait. What? Just trades. I've always been confused by this. Does trades refer to like individual issues, or is that a? That's what I refer to it as. Trades is issues, book is book. I, th- I think that's right. Right? Well, why am I asking you? Yeah, what I made it clear. That you, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we should know there used to be a comic store behind me. Used to. <laughs> yes, that's true. Oh, maybe oh, if we knew this down. stuff, it'd still be open. <laughs> maybe if we actually frequented their store sometimes and bought I know. things. They never had anything, though. Mm. Every time I went there to try and buy something, they never had what I was looking for. They mm-hmm. just never had a great selection, sadly. But oh, again, yeah. not being an issue-by-issue person, it didn't really work for me. Right. 
Apparently, it didn't work for anyone. No, that's true. (laughs) I'm one of those horrible people that buys comics off of Amazon. That's fine. I actually no, I buy a lot of them at Barnes and Noble, so I'll give mm-hmm. give that some credit. Uh, well, I remember, I remember when Fat Collectibles was still here. Oh yeah, and they had like the like the most fun collection of just toys to look at. And then when they booted out Fat Collectibles, and that corner just became like WrestleMania corner. Yeah, I'm like, well, I don't like no one really cares about this stuff. I feel like that's not true. I'm sure we have a listener that has watched a WrestleMania. Oh, I have some friends who are huge WrestleMania people. Mm-hmm. They do Tuesday nights at Gym Bar. Yeah. You go, you go oh, to no, that. No, no, I've actually never been. I've been invited. Oh, okay. But, uh, I have friends who definitely take, what's like the big WrestleMania event that like, is Raw? like the accumulation? I want to say it's Raw. There's like some I thought, it was, big, I thought WrestleMania event. was the, the culmination. Is, I think it's WrestleMania. Someone's yelling at us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are Someone's yelling at our phone angry, right now. But I just know. I can hear banging on the other side of the wall. I have a friend who like all of his friends get together and like, kind of place bets on like who enters the ring and who exits and who's going to show up and all this other stuff. It's a really big deal. So mm-hmm. WrestleMania is another one of those uh, kind of underground things that oh, yeah. has a following now. Yeah, I've never never really been into it. I did listen to the Nerdist podcast with John Cena recently, though. Okay. It was a really good podcast. He's, mm-hmm. he's really interesting. He's really he seems like a very interesting guy. Yeah. Well, I remember the only time I was like really excited about wrestling was when Stephen Amell got into it for a oh, hot minute. Oh, I guess he's always been a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, who is it? Star something. Star... Don't say Star Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was not Chris Pratt. (laughs) One of the wrestlers, like, went into the audience and got in Stephen Amell's face during a match. And then, like, over the next two months, it played out over social media. And it finally ended with Stephen Amell jumping in the ring. Yeah. I remember remember what was going on. It It was Starlight... Star Bright? I knew, I knew Star, Star Bright would be the next word that came out of your mouth. Star, Star Child. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Starburst. Yeah. Star, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, it's Starburst. Oh, God. Now I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Mad Love. Oh, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> um, but I think even, <clears throat> like, even right from the beginning, this episode starts off so great. With the Joker luring Commissioner Gordon in. Um, and just even what I love about that, it's sort of like a little prologue there, but it does set up the dynamic between Joker and Harley so well. Where yes. She is so super faithful and she's doing everything she can to help, but she doesn't necessarily. Stardust. Th- there thank we go. you. Uh-huh. This is the Sorry. only one we didn't. I know. <laughs> God, well, I've never seen the movie. Yeah. So. But oh, no, you're right. Uh, so, a few things on that that are just kind of like Easter eggs or whatever. First of all, on the door mm-hmm. of the dentist, it says Dr. J. Ercos or mm-hmm. something like that, which is just an anagram of Joker. Joker. Uh, which is like what he loves to do. Yeah. And, uh, but, I don't know. That sounds pretty Riddler, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it can be. He likes to do like these small little bits. And um, you were talking about the origin and the dynamic of Harley and Joker. In this, and in that scene, when she, like, tells, like, a joke or, you know, she says something, the Joker gets really angry and, like, she goes from being, like, this very uh, dominating person to immediately submissive. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, yes, sir. And, like, that alone told me their dynamic. It's just, like, a, she enjoys that submissive, like, being submissive to him. Because she's very capable yeah. on her own. And she's very capable when she's with Ivy. But mm-hmm. even then, she, like, kind of slips into more of a beta personality sometimes. But, yeah, you're right. Like, when 
he oh she makes um oh she gasses Batman with the, the nitrous oxide and she's like oh it's a real gasser he comes up and he grabs her, her hood it's like I'm the one who makes the jokes here and at least for me I don't know if it's the same for you guys in that moment it reminded me of the Grinch actually like the old Grinch cartoon yeah. Boris Karloff yeah when he like so it's like a, a perfect perpendicular two shot and it's I think it's him and Max he's like yeah. Max right Max. up in his face it rem- I don't know if that was a deliberate reference point for them or not. Probably not. Probably. Probably just my weird brain going there. But you're right. It did set up. Yeah, that's that... just a weird reference for you to make. A movie <laughs> that everyone has seen. God, how could you, Chris? What did it remind you of, Cameron? Do you have some obscure thing? Uh, no, I actually have a, a, a plot that I want written. Okay. Where, because we keep joking about Joker and Riddler in this episode. Mm-hmm. I would love a, a Riddler episode or comic story where he's finally fooled batman okay and like he's like you know batman's like trapped somewhere he's about to blow up and joker is the one that comes in he's like no you're not gonna you're not gonna get to do this and he figures out the riddle it's like oh, he thwarts he thwarts ah, riddler so he can get the chance to kill batman that would be really that good. would be really good i know in the comics recently they had like the joker riddler wars or something like that. Like there's a whole comic arc about the two of them going to war with each other and That's everyone's cool. caught in the middle. Because they should, because they're very similar they're very, very similar. Yeah. I don't I guess we never see the two of them interact over the course of the DCAU, do we? Mm-mm. No. No, because we've had Penguin, Two Face, and Joker kind of work together with Hugo Strange to try and get Batman's identity. Mm-hmm. And then Riddler was with Clayface and No, he was with Bane and Oh yeah, um Bane and the Mad Hatter. That's right. Yeah, and nighttime. Mm-hmm. Oh, straight episode. How close? I mean, like the Riddler, Mad Hatter, and the Joker. Like Batman's just kind of like, oh god. Yeah, there's there's a lot of overlap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Between those three. <laughs> yeah. But again, I love that. Uh, I love the idea of um, at least the Joker, and even what you were talking about, the Joker being very much about branding. It's like, no, I need to stay on brand. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. He was the pre-millennial in that yeah, regard. Like, I assume I, I have the vision of like the Riddler using a jack-in-the-box for one of his clues mm-hmm. and Joker coming over and just like like with a giant mallet. Yes. Smashing it. Like, that's not on brand. Nope. <laughs> Copyright infringement. We share green. That's all you get that's to all use. You get. Purple is mine. You get green in question marks. But wait, Riddler has purple as well. They're actually that's like the color scheme is basically reversed. That's very true. Yeah. Oh dang. Oh they're shit. They're way more competing than I thought. Mm-hmm. I know, man. There's so many things for them to argue about. Yeah. yeah. That would have been a really fun DCAU episode. Mm-hmm. To see the two of them get to really just play off each other. Oh, and, and Julian Glover. No, not Julian Glover. Um. Oh, what's that actor's name? Is it wait? The voice for of Two Face. No, the voice of Riddler. Riddler. It's not Jim Carrey. <laughs> This will, this will come to me eventually. Mm-hmm. You two talk amongst yourselves, I think. Well, um, you said Jim Carrey. I don't <laughs> know if you guys have spoken about this, but did you see that fan theory that uh, that movie would be better if they switched roles? Well, oh, where Two Face, or where uh, Jim Carrey played Two Face. Uh huh. Oh, and Tommy Lee Jones. Because was I think, like, at some point in time, like either they like were considered for it, or like some. But someone pointed out that like if they switched roles, if those two actors switched roles, the movie would be like infinitely better. Oh, it's just it was like a fan theory. That would be that. cool. I mean, I love the the scene so much where Riddler gets into the Batcave and doing like the dance with the bombs. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Like I couldn't imagine. Tommy, very... I couldn't imagine Tommy Lee Jones doing. No, no, but like, like they would that. be very different versions. Yeah. of those characters. But like to like just Jim Carrey has this way of being very serious and mm-hmm. uh, you know he can be a very good dramatic actor. Yeah, he he and can then, argue with himself, yeah, yeah, which exactly. is what a lot of what Two Face is exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then James, uh, Tom, Jamie Lee, <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy, uh, we, I would see Jamie Lee Curtis yeah, as, as any <laughs> Batman villain. <laughs> actually, I would, I'd see her as Batman. Mm-hmm. I'd watch anything with her, right? Except for Scream Queens, that shit was terrible. That was horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anywho. But anyway, uh, he would be a different kind of Riddler, too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it would be kind of like oh. a, a little bit more of like No Country for Old Men type. Yeah. Well, I think that was, Tommy Lee Jones has talked about that. That was one of the problems is how do you play off Jim Carrey going as crazy in camp as he does? And I'm mm-hmm. sure Joel Schumacher was probably not giving him the best direction on that, too. But it seemed like they're both like, oh, just both of you be like campy and loud and ridiculous. You can't do that you can't, yeah you can't out outdo that against jim no you have to have you have to have someone in that duo be the straight man yes um I except get, i mean dumb and dumber yeah and, but like they're separate er-er. yeah they're separate uh, uh, a lot yeah that's true yeah and i guess you have and also there's when they are doing like their best bits there is a straight man in the middle that's exactly mm-hmm. it is that you i mean Batman can't really in the cartoon he often is the straight man. Like even mm-hmm. in this episode he basically kind of plays that role. But in the movies that character is much quieter. Um when Smile Kilmer it doesn't really help either, let's be perfectly honest. <laughs> but I don't yeah, I don't think that would have there's sorry, there was a really so um Screen Junkies put out the Black Panther Honest trailer this week. Okay. So, uh, just it. to date this episode. <laughs> um and there was uh, a point that you made, the point they made in the episode, which, in the clip that you brought, that you kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, what did Black Panther do that no one else did? Like, no other superhero has done. It's like, he doesn't quip. Exactly. And it's yeah. just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he refuses to quip. And they just show scene after scene of people t- joking like and setting him up. Him, yeah. And he just refuses. I didn't even think about yeah. that. And I'm like, I thought you had to be, a, I thought you had to be a comedic asshole to save the universe. Exactly. Oh my God, you're right. He doesn't quip. No. Because no. even Batman quips sometimes. Exactly. What? Yeah. I didn't even think only... about that. <laughs> oh my God. Well, now we know. Chadwick Boseman, the world's best straight man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, so, because along that lines of having to have, like, a, how do you play against that sort of absurdity? Uh, years ago, I read Michael Caine's first autobiography. And I love Michael Caine. He's amazing at yeah. everything. So this was written, I think he had just done, like, Muppet Christmas Carol, which is, I watch that movie every Christmas. It's a delight. But you don't watch Richie Rich's Christmas Wish. No one watches no one Richie Rich's Christmas no Wish, Cameron. Should. Yes. Some people do. <laughs> I said no one should. I no, one should. no one should. <laughs> but he he was talking about getting cast in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which have either of you guys seen that? It's him no. and Steve Martin. Um, and weirdly enough, Ian McDermott, who plays Emperor Palpatine, plays like the butler oh, in it. It's okay. like one of the few times you see him not as the emperor. It's really bizarre. But it's a great movie. They're both con men. But he got cast. He's like, how the hell? And I mean, this was made in like the early 80s. So how the hell do you go up with Steve Martin at that time. I mean, yeah. I'd say even more so Steve Martin than beyond like Jim Carrey in the 90s even too in terms of just like this comedy powerhouse mm-hmm. and just the, the energy in the story. How do you do it? And so he realized he was not going to play the movie as a comedy. He played it as a drama. And every scene he's in, he plays that line like it's a dramatic line. And as a result, he is incredibly funny. And then you can see that being the starting point for his just dry wit nice. that is carried through in so many other things. Nice. You needed something like that in Batman Forever. Like, if you're going to do that, you need to have someone be that dry Exactly. And I think that's why they say switching the roles would do that. It would yeah. give you a different type of Riddler to play off of a an out there yeah. um, 
two, two days. Mm-hmm. Well, cause you, and I, I mean, I love Tommy Lee Jones, but I don't see him as, I mean, he can do, he can do kind of quippy stuff. He can be dry, but I don't know if he could have been dry against the absurdity of Jim Carrey. I think that's a really good point. Actually, if you swap that, you take a natural comedic talent and make them be dramatic and Because that's opposite. what he does in Men in Black. Men, in Men in Black, it's Will Smith who's just like the one who's yeah. out there and Tommy G. Lee, why can't I say this? <laughs> Tommy, Tommy G. Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> is the, uh, is the straight man to it. He's just kind of yeah. like a, well, kid, you'll learn, and then just walks, you know, walks away. And I think that it would have really worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this doesn't really matter, but no, <laughs> but yes, it does because we're rebooting this. Yeah, we're, yeah <laughs> you heard it live on the podcast. <laughs> casting going out now. Mm-hmm. We're gonna remake Batman Forever, guys. <laughs> yes, same cast. Same, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, let's hang on. Let's stop and think about this for a second. Drew uh, Barrymore. Yeah, we could probably get Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we could. Definitely get Val Kilmer. Yeah, what else is yeah, he doing? Yeah, what's he doing? Yeah. yeah. Um, we would probably have to pay Chris O'Donnell quite a bit just because he's making that sweet NCS Los Angeles money. <laughs> but I think we can get him. Nicole Kidman would be the hardest get because she is like on a big meteoric rise after Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. So I think she would be the hardest one. Um, you could probably get Jim Carrey. I, have to think. I don't know. I feel like he's. He, you I know, feel, he I might think be he's too far gone now. He, yeah, he's kind of past the point of doing this sort of stuff. Actually, I don't know. I think because of the rivalry with Tommy, I think. That, oh, if we got one, you think yeah, we? Yeah, get I think together? if we got Tommy, he'd come back just to like, just to this kind of repair him. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've heard that they hate each other on the set, right? Yeah, no, no. That's why I'm saying yeah. he would come back. He would come back just to like, all right, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> that, that famous quote. When they're in the middle of shooting and Jim Carrey sees Tommy Lee Jones at dinner one night when they're off the set and he goes to talk to him and Tommy Lee Jones just like puts down his fork and knife and looks at him and goes, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Yeah. And just turns and goes back to eating. What do you even do when someone says that to you? You (laughs) you walk away. I feel like you have like a, I feel like you have to have some kind of rubber toy and just go honk, honk. (laughs) Yeah. And then walk away. It's all sad. Yeah. I might just start saying that to people now when they come up and say hi to me. You should. Just, <laughs> just random nat- people on the street. Just natural response back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have like the the Charlie Brown music playing as you yeah, walk away. The like slow the slow sad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> such a good poll. I love it. How okay, if we didn't get the new cast, just to stretch this podcast out a little longer. <laughs> no, that's fine. We're how would you how would you recast Batman Forever? Nowadays, again, are we going with the exact same plot or like okay, how do we exact do same okay, story? So, okay, same beat for beat. Are like we trying same... to make it better? Or are we just trying to get the exact same? We try to recapture the tone of Batman Forever, but yes. now, yes. Oh God. Okay. Um, kind of like in a Twenty One Jump Street type way, where it's like it's self aware. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Oh wait. Oh wait. Oh, that completely changes my answer now. <sighs> where, where were you going first? Well, I was gonna say natural casting point for the Riddler, Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like Kevin Hart is not quite the same, but he's kind of in the same realm as the modern Jim Carrey. He is. Honestly, Mm -hmm. you could just do Kevin Hart and The Rock again. I would love a rock as two face. (laughs) (laughs) What would that even look like? It's just Bane, but half the face. Half the face. (laughs) But they would still put him in those ridiculous two tone suits. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Harvey, half Steve Harvey suit. Yeah. But the sleeves are ripped off. Oh, on one course. half. Yeah, on of one, course. Yes, just one half sleeve. <laughs> of problem. course. Okay, who's, I'm trying to think, who'd be like the modern Chris O'Donnell? Because he, he was just kind of like on the rise at the time. He had done um, the Dead, uh, Dead Poet Society. No, Chris Pratt's oh, too I big. Think he's too big, yeah. He's way too big at this point. No, I was, I was talking about in terms of comedy, but 
Oh, who who can get away with doing sock foo? Oh, so- <laughs> oh, who can do mm, sock foo? Um, I mean, if they didn't already attempt it, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is still yeah. a top choice. For some reason, Harry Styles is coming to mind. Like he's trying I, to carve himself a movie Styles. career. I can see, I can see like, that. We'll make him. That. We'll make him Robin. Yeah. Make him this weird 20-year-old man who goes to live with a billionaire. Yeah. yeah. Nothing weird about that at all. Not at all. It would fit. It was fine character. in the 90s. It's fine, it's fine now. now. <laughs> hey, it was fine in the 50s. They shared a bed at the time. Yeah. God. Um, yeah, Harry Styles is a pretty good choice. <laughs> okay, so Harry Styles, Kevin Hart, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> who's uh, our Batman in this story? Who's, who's the modern Val Kilmer? Who's the modern Val Kilmer? <laughs> that is a sentence I did not expect today. <laughs> Um, okay, this, I, I actually think he'd be very good. This is a weird choice. Luke Evans. Okay. I don't know why that came to mind. So he was Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. Gotcha. He's also in a couple of the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why. Uh, who is, um, Sean Eastwood? Who is, uh, oh, Eastwood's son? Scott Eastwood. Scott Eastwood. Okay, sorry. Scott Eastwood would be the new Chris O'Donnell. Scott Eastwood oh, is yeah. the new Chris O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then... So we've mm. got two members of Fast and Furious already. <laughs> How do we just reshape Fast and Furious into Actually, Batman Forever? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do we fit? Vin Diesel as Alfred? Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> exactly. Vin Diesel as Alfred. <laughs> okay. Wait, and then who... We need a new Nicole Kidman, though. Uh, we have three choices. I mean, I'm trying to think of the, the ladies of, of Fast, Fast and, and Furious. Furious. Oh, all oh, right. Of course. Of course, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, well, Gal Gadot's already taken. Yeah. Um, t- 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 now, Jordana Brewster, she doesn't do anything anymore. I don't, you could be Michelle I see Rodriguez. Like, I see uh, Brewster's more of like a Catwoman kind of figure. Yeah. Or like I a, could see that. Oh, she'd like make a good Catwoman. Or um, <clears throat> a Summer Summer Gleason. A news a, reporter? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, who's like the modern Nicole? Who's like the actress that is in everything, whether she needs to be there or not? Ooh, Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick, I, I was. Gonna I mean, say, I love her. I love it her too. To say no, no, that. I didn't. No, no, I didn't mean that like in okay, a bad way. Yeah. I meant like, a, oh, I think you're on. Like, like who's in that wheelhouse? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jennifer uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. No, no, no. Rihanna. Ooh. Rihanna would be a. a, a and like, yeah. look, I'm super excited for Ocean's Eight. I haven't really seen anything with her as an actress, but I'm super excited for that well, movie. And I think oh, you didn't see great. Valerian? <laughs> no. Valerian and no. she did uh, the. The battleship, battleship, battleship. Yeah, right. So Haven't she doesn't seen have either. the great. I mean, you know, third time's a charm. I'm yeah. gonna give it. To I, her. I'm, I'm thinking there. I, I think I would like to see her in that role. Actually, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we've done it. Yeah, we've done it, guys. We've recast Batman Dude, Forever. Yes. Look, get ready for theaters 2020. And we get so many Batman Forever After. I bet you more people would see that than they would see another Batman movie starring Ben Affleck. Yeah, I would. I would. If I had to choose, you're not wrong. Poor Ben. Uh, should we talk about Mad Love? I guess so. Yes, I kind of want to. I want to flesh the story out a little more. I want to hear the the dialogue between Two Face and 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 Alfred. Oh no, I think you. <laughs> well, there would be none, right? Yeah, they would never be in the same scene. Which is, oh wait, hang on, wait, hang on. Let's stop and think about this. So in Batman Forever, they knock Alfred out. Mm-hmm. Who knocks him out? Is it Two Face or Riddler? Oh, it has to be Kevin Hart. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. That would be like the, the most hilarious. But no, thing. but the fact that it's, so that you would finally get The Rock and and Vin Diesel in a scene together. The only thing that would happen is Vin Diesel getting knocked out. Yeah. Well, no, there'd be, there'd be a struggle. There'd be an even fight. And then 
Kevin Hart would come with the giant, um, <laughs> the giant question mark cane. Yeah, the yes, question, the, yeah. the question mark cane. I was, I was seeing a fire hydrant, <laughs> and just slapping Vin Diesel. And then like the thing is, and he do his little reaction face. Yeah, but yeah. The, here's the thing: he would land on top of the rock. So that was his, that'd be his victory. Yeah, of the rock, would be like, help me get this guy off. Yeah, of like, I need help to to. Like, he's so big, I can't get him off of me. Also, what I love about this is, th- did they make tuxedos in white beater <laughs> format? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see this so bad now. It's a mad love. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we, we definitely cannot get to the end of this episode and not acknowledge the amazing exit line from the Joker when he leaves the dentist's office. Yes. Mm-hmm. May the floss be with you. Which was not in the comic. Yeah. And I checked. I was like, oh, that they must have put that in there because it's Mark Hamill. I, I would love if that was just Mark Hamill on the fly. Oh. Like, I would have loved to I know. I kind of thought it was. was. I, like, especially when I heard it wasn't in the yeah. comic book, I assumed that that was just like a Mad Lib that he did. Mm-hmm. A Mad Lib that a he mad- did? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, they, they gave him the script and they were like, insert. Yeah, exactly. Here. <laughs> it was a Mad Lib. That's totally how, tri- how script should be written. <laughs> That's absolutely should be, yeah. And then Batman jumps into the noun. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> speaking, speaking, it of has like, a look of adjective. This is this is very much in line with like Mad Love and going into it, but like the randomness of the next scene because the next scene is when they're back uh, in oh, the hideout. Lair yeah, in the hideout, and he's going through all of his plans, and she's in the teddy. Which, by the way, again, watching this, you're like, are are you allowed to curse on this? I don't know. So <laughs> on this show, to, yeah. to, to quote, to quote, to my quote mother. Cameron's mom. Tim Talk Podcast is just... Oh, do you, I, no, do you go for it. You, I, you, I don't remember it. You don't remember it? I don't remember it. Oh, no, it's, it, it was Cameron goes on tangents and Chris says, fuck a lot. Okay, yeah. so I'm allowed to say it. All right, yeah. that's good. Uh, so, because the only reason why I brought it up was because in her in the nighty, that whole scene, you're like, oh, they fuck. Oh, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah like, they do. It is clear that they... Like, I was just watching it, and she's like, I got the whoopee cushion. You're yeah. like, what do they do mm-hmm. with that whoopee cushion? I would totally watch that. Like, oh, I, was, I, would, like, I would watch that, I don't that know too. what's going down, yeah. but they get into some stuff. Oh, yeah, like, aren't you going <laughs> to rev your Harley? Vroom, vroom, vroom. Yeah, that's, it's just... Well, for a kid's and cartoon, it's so sexual. Yeah, I, I love it too because in the comic, there's some some notes from both like Paul Dini does the intro, and then Bruce Tim does some like uh, kind of trivia, and he talks about when they wrote the comic that they had the original version being a little bit racier because it was Harley like riding an old school like chopper with her legs up in the air, and they changed it <laughs> so it was a little bit more subdued, and that's what they kept. But they have the drawing. You can kind of see it way down in the corner here of like the original sketch of her with her like legs up. Yeah, it's it's quite a bit more sexual. Yeah, yeah. Already being pretty sexual yeah. to start. Grab your Harley is just like yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's a great line. It's, though. it's, it's absolutely so, great line. I mean, it just Paul Dini is an amazing writer. We've, we've talked about this so many times before, but he there's probably never been a better writer for the Joker, right? Right. I mean, I, I can't necessarily speak for the comics per se. But I think it, certainly in terms of any sort of televised format, there's never been a better writer for the Joker. Mm-hmm. He's amazing, and he's so he's is so genuinely funny, and he's really dark in this episode too. Yes, like, especially when he shows up at the the restaurant later, and he knocks her out the window, 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a really intense moment. And then well, she's like, like, they have that long fall, too. Right like, after right after the scene where, you know, she's kind of distracting him, and she says, the, why don't you just shoot him, and all this other He hits her, and you're yeah. like, whoa. This Again, we are going into some adult themes here I just was not expecting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he throws her outside in her, in her underwear. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, for me... Um, just because, like, in my podcast, we always, like, take the 90s uh, writing and look at it through a new lens. It's like a, oh, it's to add some context, you and your friend do a podcast about oh, yeah. Boy Meets World. We, we will go into more yeah, detail yeah. about it at the end. Oh, that's but right. Yes, I, yes. I didn't even Boy Meets World things to talk about. <laughs> Terrible promoting. <laughs> uh, uh, who yeah. are you talking to on that Are front? you team I mean... Lauren? <laughs> were, were you a fan of Lauren and Boy Meets World? Uh so we will go into that. Oh, I have so many things yeah, to say we, about Lauren. No, yeah, no, 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 there's a lot to dive into. But um, <laughs> singing a mad love. Sorry, who's I'll Lauren? Go completely into. Have you not seen Boy Meets? I haven't seen it since it aired. I mean, that to be fair, she's only in two episodes. But she's such a like. It's a she's, pivotal moment. Oh man, it's it very is. Pivotal. And they even bring it up in. Um, they bring it up again in Girl Meets World. Good. They, what? They acknowledge man. it. They oh, acknowledge thank God. It. Yeah. Wait, did like. Lauren was a girl that Corey oh, cheated on Topanga with. I yeah. beg to recall the, this. The, from the now. Cap they bring it back up. It's a it's a Oh moment. my god, it's yeah. Linda Cardellini. It yeah, and that's well, why I, I love her. I understand now. <laughs> right? I mean right? It, it's the nineties. If you can't I mean again, we can't get into this because I can <laughs> I can tangent. Oh can me too. Do it. Um but all of that being said, um when he throws her out, I was like, this is again, they do such a good job of showing this abusive relationship yeah. um, and how that dynamic works. Like, if you're going to, if the Joker were really involved with someone, uh, th there would be no respect. There would be no. no consideration of her and her body and, her, and all this other stuff. And the, you know, this is a very common thing, unfortunately, for domestic violence, for, for him to, like, put her out in her underwear and then just go back. And then, again, later on when she calls him, when she does call him, it's very much a fuckboy response where he's, he's just like, like oh, oh yeah, well, where have you been? Where like, you like been? he didn't even consider that she was missing until she called. He's like, oh, yeah, where are you? Uh, and I, I just love the truth in that kind of writing. Yeah. Well, and the fact that Batman gets it. Yeah. He, he nails on the head. It's like, Joker, he does not love you. Mm -hmm. He just pegged you as hired help this entire time. He manipulated you the same way he manipulates everybody. Mm -hmm. It's like, which story did he tell this time? Yeah. That that hurt. Yeah. Like, again, like yeah. when he goes, which what did he say that one time? Uh, the only time I saw Dad laugh was at the ice capades. Yeah. And she was like, it was the circus. Told me it was the circus. Me it was a, it's just, it's a moment where yeah. you were talking about it earlier, the sympathy for her. You're like, oh. And I also love it because it stays true to the fact that the or uh, the Joker always changes his origin story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so like that little bit right there is like truth it in his. Well, and <clears throat> what I love about that moment too is that I mean Batman is kind of he's deliberately hurting her because mm -hmm. he's manipulating her as well to get out of the trap, but he's also the only person who's being real with her. Yeah. Too like it, it is this weird double act of he's messing with her to his own ends, but also he is kind of trying to help her. Like, I mean, that, that's, we've talked about that before. Overall, Batman still believes his villains can be cured. Yeah. Um, and so, like, even in the moment of peril, he still believes that there is a good side in Harley. Because even calling her Harleen. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he, yeah, he laughs, and he's like, face it, Harleen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, oh, it's such an incredible moment. Yeah. But I do love when the Joker shows up then, and... He's still, I mean, this is terrible to say, but he's still being funny in that moment, even when he's berating Harley. Like, he, like, it's, like knocks her across the room, 
obviously bad. <laughs> we do not support domestic abuse. We do not podcast. support this. But then he goes back to Bab and he's like, oh, give me one second. Yeah, exactly. And like that's a really tough line to, to toe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you guys find that it goes too far with the way the Joker treats Harley? Again, I, I think that it definitely brings up conversations that should be had. Um, but I don't know if it goes too far because it doesn't show it. You know, there's there's implications, there's, you know, body movement and all this other stuff. It's not like we get, like, an actual fist <clears throat> to the jaw type yeah. mm-hmm. scene. So I feel like because of that, they give you all the pieces to have this discussion. You're like, mm-hmm. this is not okay. But at the exact same time, they don't overdo it. They're not sensationalizing it. Well, I mean, that, I think that's true in general of the Joker in this iteration, in this show, is that he we never we we hear about and we see reference to how genuinely homicidal he is like when in the flashbacks with Harley and she's freaking out because he's been gone for a week she reads the newspaper it's like Joker's at large like body count rises but we never actually see him kill anyone in the show I don't I'm pretty sure we don't ever Mm-mm. see him kill anyone in the show and then even in Phantasm his we know he kills some of the mob bosses, like one of the mob, I think, Valestra, I think he kills. But we don't ever see it happen on screen. Like, well, I like, um, even if you want to go to the um, Heath Ledger version, like, mm-hmm. even then, we very rarely see him, like, he kills, but, like, not most of the time he sets people up to, you know, go after themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he, like, he shoots... He shoots one guy in the bank. He does the pencil thing. The on pencil somebody, bank, uh, but like everything else, like it, again, it was like that. The whole two boats. Uh, oh the, yeah. The money and the dog. You know, it yeah. was like all of that was really like a the chaos theory. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the beginning, yeah. I mean, he shoots one person, but before that one person gets shot, there's seven other people that exactly. get shot. Yeah. He just orchestrates all of it. Mm-hmm. But I think that that works in favor of making the character. It's weird to call him likable. I, I, I generally think the Joker in BTOS is likable. Mm-hmm. Not so much the Ledger version. Like it's, no, no, he's I charismatic agree. and you're drawn in, but he's not like quote-unquote likable. But here, because they do ground him so much in the comedy, they play that element that that's what he's obsessed with. They let him be funny because we don't actually see him be as evil as he is in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like by the time we get to... Justice League, his rare appearances in that, they push him a little bit further because Oh, that, I was going to go Dark Knight Returns well, I mean, when you when you see him literally murder people all down the tunnel of love. Oh, well, I'm saying DCAU, though. Oh. Yeah, obviously the Dark Knight Returns, yeah. Like, he's just killing people left and right. Like, really brutally killing people. Mm-hmm. But in, yeah, in, in DCAU, I think him at his most fucked up is Return of the Joker. Oh, yeah. You, you've seen that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you've seen Return of the Joker. No. The Batman Beyond movie, Return of the Joker? Um, not in. I've seen it before, but not in some time. Like, not enough for me to recall anything. Oh, uh, okay. That's just that's Joker at his most fucked up, mm-hmm. hands down. Well, I always get because they they take part of the Red Hood story for that. They right? do, yeah. So yeah, I get scenes from that and scenes from Red Hood kind of <sighs> spliced together in my head. Red Hood, because like the yeah the crowbar scene at the beginning yeah. of Red Hood is so like, that's straight from the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read that one, Death in the Family. You've actually read that? Yeah. Oh, I haven't my, read that. My ru- oh, I have it. If you want to read it, yeah. Uh, my I have New Frontier. If you want to read it, uh, do you, I have yeah, it too. You have it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my my roommate back in college <laughs> used to make fun of me because I had a whole shelf. Of just the Death of series. What? Really? So, yeah, because for some reason it fascinated me of all the characters, like, dying off. Yeah. So I had, like, the Death of Superman series, uh, Death in the Family, uh, Death of Gwen Stacy, Mm -hmm. uh, Death of the Family, which was the newer version. Right. 
Uh, yeah, it was just a whole shelf of just like <gasps> death. Oh my god, mm-hmm. it's fucked up, man. Yeah, I look at it listening to Paramore, and <laughs> it's great. Just slowly putting on your guy liner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, in I your like cracked mirror. I like that visual. <laughs> yeah, he. But no, I think the Joker here is so perfectly balanced in terms mm-hmm. of just him being violent and funny and psychotic and like I really like the scenes when he is interviewing with Harley actually mm-hmm. like you can see him another stage manipulation but him approaching it from sincerity mm-hmm. like Harley even says like I prepared everything I could possibly imagine except for that when he talks about his dad beating him well I love that like that's interesting oh, sorry if we can I want to talk about the the entry of her yeah. going to Arkham because it, two things. One, it introduces another female character that of course we don't see a lot of, but I love the other doctor in that scene because oh, Dr. Leland, yeah, yeah. Dr. Leland. I love her because she has like, uh, of course as a person of color, it's just like, she has like this person of color, like attitude to it where she's like, girl, like if you're here just to write a tell all book, it's you will be eaten alive. Like you know, that's just kind of what she says. She's this like, crazy hey, white bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's her approach to it, and I love that little bit of uh, flavor. Uh, but then also, it it allows someone else to be like, look, this is a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. you may think like working in psychology, working in Arkham Asylum, you are dealing with people who know how to mess with you. Yeah, um, and then. Um, so going from that to when Harley goes to her office and there's that little letter there, uh, and she comes back and she's like, what was this doing in my office? And he immediately is like, if you were really going to tell, you would have yeah. already. Again, it's just like pinpointing he got her like, right off the bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, I just love those little details in there. I, again, this is for the reason why I think this could, you can make an argument for this being the best BTOS episode. Now, you can have a separate argument by whether this counts or not, since technically it's New Batman Adventures. But I think this is a better episode than Heart of Ice because it gets that character dynamic so well. They really understand how these three people interact with each other. Because they all have one-way interactions, and they all mm-hmm. interact together, too. Mm-hmm. But they're very different with each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's so very, very dynamic and interesting. So I, I have a question for you, too. Because mm-hmm. we, we talked about this at BTOS a lot. We haven't really talked about it as much recently mainly because we haven't had character introductions in a while. Right. Uh, we used to always say that for the majority of Batman villains, Batman is the reason they became a villain. Oh, right, yeah. Can we blame Batman for Harley? Because Harley blames Batman for Harley. Yeah. Um, yeah, she said I, uh, everything was perfect until that Batman mm-hmm, came around. Yeah. Um, That's a good question. I mean, so I think you guys... Or can, can Batman blame himself for Harley? Because I, I feel like that's more of... How he deals with his villains. So I'm gonna right. be a little bit of nerd for you guys. I listened to your oh. episode on Harley's Holiday, which, by the way, is one of my favorites. And I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. On Harley's <laughs> Holiday, you point out. Can you tell us what we got wrong? No, no, no. It's not that you got wrong. You pointed out um, that Batman does consider himself partly to blame because, mm-hmm. like, had he not sent the Joker to Arkham again, even in this, he. She kind of turns because the Joker's been beaten up so badly by Batman. It's that abuse of the Joker that really is just like a my poor little baby. Yeah. Um, that he 
does blame himself because it's like if I wasn't here, then the Joker wouldn't have anyone to play off of, and the Joker being alive has influenced so many lives, and she is just another casualty yeah. of this. So I think that answers your question that he could, like one could argue. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think it holds a lot of water, or do I think that Bruce is just playing the sympathy card? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a, yeah. Wow, yeah. We used to be a lot more insightful. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what has happened to oh, us? We got lazy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're well into our third season or whatever you want to call it at this point. Yeah. We've given up on it. We've just become stereotypes of ourselves. I know. It's yeah. great. <laughs> I, d- I make tangents and you say fuck. <laughs> you don't read comics and I just get really camp sometimes. It's yeah. great. <laughs> but it's interesting you bring up that moment. I-, I would agree with that idea that he probably recognizes the the role he plays and where she comes from. But I don't think he would directly blame himself. But what's cool is in the comic, in that moment when the Joker shows up at Arkham and he's all busted up and is getting dragged away um, when she runs up and falls at his feet, uh, there's an actual reaction shot off of Batman, which is really interesting because in the cartoon, he doesn't react at all to what she's doing. Um, and it's taken me forever to find it. And <laughs> I'm just... Oh, here we go. Yeah, it's like the top of the panel. Like He comes in and it's a close-up on her face and she's crying and she's distraught and Batman's like, what the shit? It's so funny that uh, you pointed this out because what I notice in there is she is, she's like, they take the Joker away and she's yeah. screaming down the hallway. And I'm like, how does she keep her job? Or like, does she even keep her job at that moment? Because guess, it has to be a moment where everyone is yeah. like, okay, you've clearly gotten too attached. Does anyone, or do either of you watch Grey's Anatomy or have you watched Grey's Anatomy? I watched like the first two seasons back right. in the day. Well, in the first two seasons, Izzy, like the character, which reminds me a lot of this, mm-hmm. um, one of the main complaints, which again echoes kind of the Dr. Leland thing, is that the character Izzy gets too involved with her patients. Is that Catherine Heigl? Yeah, it is Catherine yeah, Heigl. Doesn't she fall for Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm reminded of in this in this little snippet, mm-hmm. is a, a doctor who's gotten too close to her patients, and if this was like an hour-long procedural, or you know, or like a medical show or something yeah. like that, that would be the point where they realize, oh, you've cross the line like we were we were letting the fat uh, infatuation go on and we didn't we thought it was harmless but now we can see that this has gone on way too far and like oh, the little yeah. reaction shot from even batman that you just showed me it's like a oh okay <clears throat> this is way closer than it should be yeah and i guess there one can presume there's almost no time to pass between that scene of him getting dragged off and her looking at him through the cell and running off to go become yeah. Harley Quinn. We can assume it's maybe maybe like an hour max. Where mm-hmm. They're like, okay, we're going to get him settled and then we're going to deal with this crazy <laughs> yeah. lady. We're going to have to have a talk. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, We're going to have a little chat in our office, but in the meantime, just go settle, settle down somewhere. Maybe avoid caffeine. Um, have some tea? We'll yeah. come back to you. What I think is cool is looking at the comic panels, um, and it was it was similar in the, in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shot of Joker kind of the the scene we talked about right when he gets brought in yeah. is perfectly mirrored in the shot where Harley's brought in. Oh, I didn't uh, even notice I that. I did not yeah, notice that. They're bandaged up almost the exact same way. Oh, oh wow. that's crazy. What yeah. I like about that is yeah. I feel that in the, scene, in the yeah. scene that we're talking about right now with the Joker, I felt that that was also him knowing he was being watched. It's still the Joker manipulating. You know, like, even if he was in pain, kind of like the little Joker being vulnerable in bed with the bandages, 
I feel that it's still a show. It's a show for Harleen at the time. He doesn't know what she's about to do, but he is still working her yeah. oh, in yeah. that moment. And I think that, you know. But. No, it's 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 amazing. And I <clears throat> we should probably wrap up talking about <laughs> Mad Love because do our little closing bits here. Um, I had two things I want to mention real quick, though. One is uh, a little bit of trivia that I read up on. So when she gets pushed out of the building... That would normally be enough to kill someone. Apparently, the reason she doesn't die was that she's still feeling the um, effects of, like, the toxin the poison I gave her once that made her, like, a little bit stronger and a little more agile, and so that allows her to survive, um, <clears throat> which also comes into play later on. But since you haven't seen Return of the Joker, I won't talk about Sadie. it. I won't talk about it now. <laughs> but for the, those who have seen that, you'll know what I'm referring to. Um, and the other question I had for you guys. So you, we have seen... Because I generally prefer the new Batman Adventure styling. I think one exception, we've talked about this, is, in fact, the Joker. That they made him less expressive mm-hmm. when they transitioned. And so we've been able to look at the comic here, where it's in the old style. And then we just watched the episode in the new style. Do you think this episode would have been better if the whole thing was done in the Beatles style rather than the new Batman Adventures? Uh, yes, mainly because it's, it sounds dumb. But mm-hmm. I, want, I want the hat. Because I want, because I, what I love and hate about the new Batman Adventure style is the black eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love the scene uh, where like he pulls the gun out. He's wearing his hat. He pulls the gun out, and we just I see the shot of the the brim of the hat making that perfect shadow over his oh, face. Oh yeah, where you can only see the colored pupils. Yes, yeah. that would have like, been really cool. Yeah, and it's like the pure evilness of it. Yeah. So I don't know how. Uh, staging works um, in in the two comparisons. But what I loved about this episode is there are scenes where they kind of show you the frame of mind of a character, mm-hmm. but like within the shot. So uh, when the Joker and Harley are being interviewed, of course, we know that they're in the office, but the scene is set up where it's just the two of them. And I feel like it's because like in that world, that's... All that's they see. all they see. Yeah. That's all she feels. And the same thing, when the Joker, it's not when Joker, when Batman is talking to Harley and being like, a, he's told that story a hundred times. Again, they're in the warehouse. We've seen the scenery every other moment. But in that scene, she's isolated. She's in the background just by herself. So oh, I don't yeah. know if the same art direction would happen in both styles, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that they kind of took time to echo the uh, mentality of the characters. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, when they're in the restaurant, right? And he's, like, oh, like, the ice show. And she's, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. Said a yeah, yeah. yeah, I noticed that, too. Yeah, that she's kind of small in the frame. Yeah, she's all small in the frame. Really, she's singular. Really it's beautiful. Really well done. Yeah. Um, again, I, it was something that I noticed. I was, yeah. like, oh, wow, they're really doing well with, like, those moments that mean something. Yeah. Uh, the art direction has always been yeah. fantastic. And I, I think, I, I in general, I would have liked to have seen this animated in the BTOS style because I think everyone's a little more expressive. The one advantage they had in waiting to adapt this was that Kids WB was a lot less strict about content. Um, it was in here too? No, they, they cut her out a little bit. Ah, oh, yeah, damn. Yeah, I guess it's... Yeah, I mean, there's this. this yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's uh, when you're doing with like a wider frame, it helps a little bit. But because Kids WB was less restrictive, I think one, they're able to include the, the innuendo a lot more here. Mm-hmm. But also all the characters bleed at some point. Yes, I noticed Which is, that. like, they never did that in BTOS. The only time that Batman ever bleeds, and that was on the wings, the first episode, and they're like, you gotta stop doing that. And then in Mask of the Phantasm. But here, like, 
like the Harley Joker, has blood coming down her face. The Joker does. Batman. All does. three of them have blood. There's, yeah. There are consequences to their interactions. Yeah. And I thought that that I wasn't sure if that was something that uh, was uncommon, but I definitely noted the it's, fact that. They draw blood. Yeah, it's pretty uncommon. Even when they switch over to new Batman adventures, they were less restricted, but even then there's not a lot of blood shown. And I think if they hadn't included that, it, you're right, it would have lessened the reality of this. Because I think mm-hmm. that's part of what makes this whole thing work is that it, it does acknowledge that everything about this is super fucked up. And by acknowledging that, it lets it all be just a little bit more real and a little mm-hmm. bit more like unique. So we wouldn't have had that. So I guess it's good that they waited. But I agree with you. I would have liked to see... The old version of the Joker. His eyes. There's just creepy fucking eyes. One thing I want to bring up before we close this out, and yeah. it's literally I've been thinking about this the <clears> entire <throat> time. There's a scene where she, um, she's just decided to be Harleen or Harley Quinn, and she comes with the security guard and she hits him with a rubber chicken. Oh yeah. And then a brick falls. The brick out, falls out. I yeah. Like, I love that little idea of yeah. her being like, a, oh, like I have to do it, but you know, like I have to hit him with a brick. But you know, it'd be even better if it yeah. was like with a rubber chicken and like seeing someone like just cut open a rubber chicken mm-hmm. and stick a brick in there just for the bit. Again, I I love that. She's so <laughs> committed to yeah. it. I mean, I'm glad they didn't have this, but also would have been really funny if like the rubber chicken squeaked when. That's it what I was like, thinking. It, it, it would have lessened the impact of what was happening in that moment, but it would have been pretty good. To have that little yeah, yeah. go in there. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I think we should probably like wrap it up talking about we we have a hard out actually because we're at the booth, not at the apartment this time. Um, um, should we do quick bat plugs? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Squeeze that in real quick. I'm trying to think if we should do. Okay, actually, let's do we'll like, save letters. Let's save letters for next week. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Actually, yeah. yeah do bat plugs, and then we'll talk yeah, about Boy Meets World for the next ten minutes. We have a few things, so I would just say in regards to letters, I'm I love that we have like pretty regular communication going on between uh, the DC Watchtower guys, between Ashley Clark, Paul Hill, and Gordon Wills. They've been all chatting like on Instagram with us about all the stuff that's been going oh, on thanks recently. Guys. So thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. So we'll go into more detail next time. Mm-hmm. But yes, CJ. All right, so yeah. I what are your bat plugs? My bat plug has to be my podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, good. I was like, what are you talking about your podcast absolutely at some terrible point? for me <clears throat> not to do so. Uh, so I run a podcast with my friend TC uh, called Bra Meets World. Uh, it's exactly as I was just saying. I didn't actually know the name of it. It's <laughs> yeah, so good. Bra Meets World. Uh, and we revisit the, we're doing it, you know, season by season, um, revisit Boy Meets World, the 90s sitcom. And... Honestly, we've only done the first season so far. We're going to premiere season two in June, but seeing its its origins and like where it started to where it becomes, it's mm-hmm. like a it's vast crazy. different show. Yeah, it started off very TGIF cookie cutter, and it just became something completely different. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we did this is because unlike shows like um, Family Matters or Spring of the Teenage Witch, uh, all of those TGIF Full House shows, what makes Boy Meets World different was that it was trying to teach lessons. It Again, it was a really big um, experiment with mm-hmm. teaching kids social, not just social issues, but uh, sociological issues. Um, again, it's one of the first origins of the bromance that I think you've ever Aww. seen on TV, and that's that's kind of what made us uh, pick it out. It's like, oh, they were they were a bromance before bromances were a thing. Yeah, yeah. Corey and Sean, and like they take that relationship very seriously. Um, and then you have the influences of people like Mr. Feeney and like the lessons that he teaches. I don't really think. Feeney. <laughs> Oh, we love the uh, growth of Eric, by the oh, way. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Eric starts off as such a regular 
uh, older brother character. And then you can see there's like an episode where you see they learn his physical comedy abilities and they're like, that's who we're doing. Mm -hmm. Like that's... Especially in season one, we have a great connection to that because uh, Jason, the friend... do not. Are you serious? Yeah, he's he's the voice of. We don't know him. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. Oh, no, no, like, no, God, no. no, I wish. Jason Marsden. Yeah, Jason, Jason Marsden is the voice of everyone. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. Like, he's yeah, pops he's, up everywhere all the yeah, time. Yeah. And so he's the best friend in season one of Boy Meets World. I forgot yes. that he was only in season one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, worth acknowledging that Will Friedel, incredible performer. Yeah. Like, yes. And people always like, oh, the guy from like Boy Meets World. No one knows that he's also Tara McGinnis, and mm-hmm. he's amazing at that. And Ron Stoppable. And Ron Stoppable. Like, not an like, incredible voice like, actor, but also like a genuine, amazing comedic performer back in the day. So mm-hmm. like his, he dedicates himself physically, yeah. and I, you can tell that just so much of that comedy in his scenes. Like they, uh, one of the bits, if you are a huge fan of Boy Meets World, you know, they wrote scenes to where uh, Will Friedel and Ryder Strong, who plays uh, Sean, Sean, they could not be in the same room because they would just constantly make each other break. <laughs> and so they could not write scenes together with them because the the comedy that would just come is that's just amazing. like, you can't do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, but anyway, that's what we do. We revisit it. Um, kind of like what I did here a little bit. We kind of look at it through a, uh intersectional lens mm-hmm. now and just, you know, feminism, uh, race issues. There are a lot that... Sometimes they cover and sometimes they don't cover, and it's mm-hmm. just like, a, well, you know, how is this lesson relevant? And oh, that's the, interesting. In the first season, it's um, a little less so because, again, it's trying to be that TGIF type mm-hmm. show, but they hit on things like uh, criminality, who gets to be uh, considered a criminal, who doesn't, with when Sean has like his whole cherry bomb episode. Um, you have Topanga, who's like, like feminism. the first feminist? Yeah, yeah. she's like, like a feminist like before feminist Season one icon. where she does the, the circle, exactly. uh, makeup circle. Exactly. Uh, and like we talk about that the, when they have their first kiss. She says, um, you know, she's like, would this be your first kiss? And he's like, no, you know, he's trying to reject it. She's like, I think it's important for you to know that your first kiss would be when you didn't feel that you looked the most attractive. Uh, and there's just like a, a whole body positivity thing, and then Aww. they do it again when you know they're teenagers. It's a lot. The the show's really really well done mm-hmm. uh, and well written, and we just thought it was re- worth a visit. Absolutely, oh my it's one of my favorites. Can we come on? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, so season one. Let was me like, talk oh, about Lauren. <laughs> All right, no. So here's the thing. I can promise you that is uh, my co-host TC's one of his favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. He goes on and on. He can talk about Lauren forever. And I have no problem bringing you on during that episode because... <laughs> can I just be I'm, there just watch this happen? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say, I feel like you contribute, but I'll just want to be is there. He, is he pro or con Lauren? He's pro. Okay, good, because I'm big pro Lauren. Yeah, yeah, pro. Uh, oh. I, mean, I think it's... Yeah, important. I love Topanga, but like... That's Linda so, Cardellini. Yeah. Well, like, for me, not even... When you rewatch that episode, it's... And, and being an I adult know, now. I know, You know, it's like a, as an adult, you're like, I will actually, you know, there, it kind of explain some things. Corey does very, very much the whole thing where it's like, a, you know you should have left by now. You know, it's like it just as an older person, you're like, oh, th- this was already down that road. You made your decision early on. Kind of like, just to bring it back, like the Joker when he was like, oh, if you were going to tell him me, you would have done so. You, yeah. you know what you're doing at this point mm-hmm. in time. So. Oh, my God. Well, maybe I'll have to go back and rewatch some of this stuff. <laughs> you should. I mean, don't know you're talking about. Um, we already have all of season one out uh, again. I'm actually the straight man on our podcast, so if you thought that I was extreme, <laughs> then you'll really love TC. Well, I'm glad we were able to let you be yourself and <laughs> open up and not have to be the straight man here. No, I, I'm just saying that TC is, like, the more extreme. I love it. Man, I like, love yeah, it. It's, it's great. Oh, my God. Well, um, thank you for plugging that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then also... Um, 
Deadpool 2, which you well, shut your mouth. Be yeah. watching. Again, yeah. I'm not going to say anything we'll about it. We'll see it by the time this episode Other than out. Yeah. You, you should watch Deadpool 2. And the last bat plug I have is um, Screen Prism. Have you guys ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. No. It's this YouTube series uh, run by two women who they do exactly what we're trying to do, which is they revisit all of these movies and pop cultural things through like a, a sociological lens mm-hmm. um, and just kind of explain why people are attracted to them or like the underlying themes of things. Um, and one of the things that they just released is how Deadpool, the first Deadpool, is a rom-com for guys. It's oh just yeah, absolutely. The male version of a rom com, and they were able to successfully sell rom coms to dudes. And even the story arc and the characters—they're all pretty much the same. Oh. Uh, you just don't see it. <laughs> and yeah. Okay. So I'll, be, I'll be able to check that out. You should. Uh, Cameron, what you got? Uh, I will also plug a YouTube series because I haven't uh, been watching much else this week. There's a guy named Alan Pan. Okay. He's a YouTube scientist. Uh, he was he was meant to be the next generation of MythBusters mm-hmm. or on the next mm-hmm. generation of MythBusters. So he's a, a really awesome nerd scientist. Maybe his, his probably most famous video was he's the guy that built the real life Mjolnir. Uh, ah. He brought it down to Venice and had like all the strong men try and pick it up. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, but it was like an electromagnet, right? Like mm-hmm. kept it on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. There was a magnet that turned off with his with only his fingerprint. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so nice. only he could only he could wield it. That's fantastic. Uh, but he just does a bunch of like super nerdy experiments. Uh, my favorite one is he makes firebending gauntlets. Uh, so it's they're gloves that shoot fire out, but they only shoot out if uh, uh, it's like um, speed sensitive. Okay. So only if you like punch at a certain speed will fire shoot out. So you what? had to have like real. So we got like a real martial art expert to come in and test them out. Yeah. Wow. And it's so cool. And he he just did a whole series on My Hero Academia, which I've talked about so many times. Obviously you love it then. Yes. Uh, so I highly recommend checking him out. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Might actually watch that. That sounds really yeah, cool. Yeah, they're really cool. All right. Uh, my two plugs, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and put in plugs just the the print edition of Batman, Mad Love, and other stories, because that's what I've been reading. It's really good. And then the other one is a, a recommendation from Paul Hill on Instagram to start following this artist, Sean Galloway. And so I was looking at his stuff, and I think either he is a Disney artist or he just does everything in kind of a Disney style. Um, you guys can, like, see some of his stuff here. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he does like all kinds of, like there's stuff in like Batman and Superman, like Iron Man, but it's all done in this sort of like Disney style and there's actual Disney stuff too with like cars and stuff, but I said stuff a lot in that sentence. All right. Um, but it's some good stuff. <laughs> I love it. worth checking out. Um, but we should get going because I think someone's knocking on the door here to come uh, take over the booth. So if you want to reach out to us, we are at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, and I just realized today that if I were to tell you guys what our next episode will be, which will be um, chemistry and beware the creeper. <gasps> yes, Finally. that's what we'll be talking about next. Uh, so if you guys want to like write in some questions or thoughts about that ahead of time, uh, that'd be great, and we can talk about them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then I am personally at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm at. If you want to see my art, it's at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face, it's at CamDexter underscore Adventures. And if you want to see my shirts and stuff, it's at Core Memories Co. Boom. And CJ. All right. Where um, are you and all the things internet? All the things internet. Well, um, Brum Meets World is at Brum Meets World. We're on all of the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we also have, you can like write us. We're on iTunes, 
all the platforms where you can get your podcast. Wherever you're listening to this, you can also find us. Um, and then me personally, I'm on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Um, and I do a lot of live tweeting on shows I like and movies and stuff like that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, CJ, thank you so much for coming and joining us. Thank you it guys was for having me. Super fun. Yeah, I really And really everyone stay it. tuned for that beautiful Batman Forever remake <laughs> coming out in the summer when of 2020. When it does come out, I'm getting my royalties, I'll oh, tell you. absolutely. There's going to be some exec that listens to this and like, yeah. oh, this is ours. We got it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, thank guys. you. Bye.